define your buying criteria. Probably the first thing that somebody should do, and it's something that most people skip, they just start going out willy-nilly looking at every single property out there. It's no secret that real estate is one of the best investment vehicles out there. But how can we determine which strategies will best align with our financial ambitions? Well, you've come to the right spot. Whether you're an active real estate entrepreneur, a passive investor, or looking to get into real estate investing, our goal is to provide investors with insights and strategies for building our portfolios all while protecting our capital. I'm Daniel Nichols, and this is the Two Smart Assets Real Estate Investing Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Daniel Nichols, accompanied by our guest for the week, Senate Eskridge. And today we are the Two Smart Assets. For those not familiar with Senate, he is a real estate investor with over 10 years of experience that currently owns a managed portfolio of single family and multifamily homes, totaling over 500 units across the country. Senate, it's great to see you, sir. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, absolutely pumped to chat with you today, man. Been looking forward for a while now. Uh, you know, we're gonna dive into some pretty interesting stuff today. What's going on in the market? How to scale a portfolio? All that good stuff. But before we dive into all that good stuff, man, we want to hear more about you. So tell us more about your background, your story, and how you got into real estate. You know, I've been an entrepreneur my entire life uh, from the very beginning. As young as when I one of some of my first memories as a kid, I was always out there trying to find some way to you know improve my financial situation. Uh, I always knew that if I wanted something successful in life, I would have to go out there and create it. And that that background's important to know because when I got into real estate, it was because I had a house that I couldn't sell in the 2008-2009 market. And so that entrepreneurial brain of mine thought to myself, huh, what do you do with a house you can't sell? You go and turn it into an asset by renting it out. And And that's really where I got started was just renting this one house and then I fell in love with the cash flow and I did it again. And then I did it again. And then I flipped a house and then I burned a house and I uh, did a couple of wholesale transactions. I got up to the point where I had several units in the small multifamily space and single family space. After doing a hundred real estate transactions, I looked at my portfolio and my income and I realized that I was never going to get the kind of passive income that I wanted with the single family and small multifamily space. See, I built myself a job and I didn't need a job. I already had another job, right? I had a business, I had a business as a financial advisor. I help people invest into, you know, stocks and bonds and all that kind of stuff. And so I, I didn't want two jobs. I had five kids and a wife that I like to spend time with. And, and so I needed to make some kind of a shift. And so in, in 2020, I started selling all of my single family homes and small multifamilies, my duplexes, my triplexes, everything like that, and rolled everything into multifamily. And I, I quickly learned that I needed some help, needed to be taught how to do things. So I joined a mentorship group after doing lots of research on all the different mentorship groups out there and later became a coach with that mentorship group. And so now I teach people how to buy multifamily. I teach people how to syndicate. And then I learned that I needed to get really good at helping investors invest uh, because quite frankly, I was going to run out of my own money. Right? Right. So now I get to help other people invest. So I joined a second mentorship group that helps people focus on uh, investors and bringing investors together and that type of thing. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm a big fan of mentorship groups and, and personal development. And through that whole journey, 
now I've done 12 syndications and have 595 units as of today. And now I'm just going like the sky's the limit, uh, still going full bore. Uh, man, I love to hear that, you know, and that, that ability to scale and that you made a huge pivot, right? In 2020, when you got completely into multifamily, right? And I think that was, you know, depending on how you look at it, it could be great timing, right? And then now you've scaled just in that short period of time to having this massive portfolio of multifamily units, right? And I think that uh, it just uh, says a lot about you as, as a person, as an investor, right? And now you're teaching other people how to invest successfully in syndications, right? So I have a question. So, you know, the last 10 years have been, for the most part, have been pretty great for real estate, right? So, uh, but, you know, over the last, let's say, year or something like that, uh, we've seen some some things changing, right? And, uh, you know, we talked a little bit before the before the show about deal flow, right? So uh, I kind of want to go over that a little bit more. What are you seeing in t- terms of, of deal flow right now in the multifamily space? Can you talk about uh, that a little bit so our investors can kind of get an idea from somebody with boots on the ground? Uh, I have a couple of different perspectives I want to share with you on that. Great. So overall actual number of deals, I think is fairly similar. Mm. Uh, I haven't seen like it nationwide i don't know that there's been a really big uptick or or a pullback it's about the same but there's i feel like there's a lot less buyers in the market and because there's a lot less buyers that makes the people who are buying actively buying have a lot more deal flow Mm. and so personally i've seen a lot a bigger pickup in brokers bringing me deals and wholesalers bringing me deals and things trading off market people having deals that they want to sell and they're coming coming to us directly instead of just going to uh, a broker. So personally, myself and my friends that are actually doing deals, uh, they're seeing a lot higher deal flow. Okay. That, you know, I love to hear that, right? Because this is what you want, right? Is be presented with opportunities and, and be in the path of opportunity, right? So I think that's, that's I love to hear you say that. So, you know, we have a lot of people who are, are just getting into um, really multifamily investing, right? Maybe they have a W job, looking to, to build a portfolio, get into it, right? And they're looking to build skills. And so you mentioned, you know, you can find deals right now uh, off market, or you can also find deals uh, uh, through brokers, right? Establishing broker relationships. So for the investors who are looking to take actions to get into multifamily, what are some of the things they need to do to establish those relationships with brokers uh, successfully? And so they can actually have that deal flow uh, um, coming to them. Hmm. Well, I'm going to answer that a few different ways. So first, Assuming that they actually want to be active and they want an active role, basically they want to build themselves a job. Uh, and if and if that's not the case, they should talk about being a passive investor, which is a whole different conversation. But if they want to be active and build themselves another another business, and that's really what you're doing in multifamily, is building a a business, just like you know starting a coffee shop or a restaurant or an auto mechanic business, that's really what we are doing is becoming real estate professionals. So put that in there, make sure we've covered that first. Got it. The first thing you should do is hire a coach. And I believe that wholeheartedly. There's tons of books out there. There's tons of online uh, YouTube channels and, and blogs and things like that. But find a coach that aligns with your goals. That is, you know, ahead of you that's where you want to be in around five years and can help you get there and compress your timeline that's what's the first thing more tactical actual steps to answer your question uh define your buy buying criteria probably the first thing that somebody should do and it's something that most people skip 
they just start going out willy-nilly looking at every single property out there. Well, what I say to people is, is if you're willing to buy anything, you're probably going to buy nothing. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. So the first step would be narrow that down a little bit. You know, what area of the country do you want to buy? What type of asset do you want to buy? And, and you don't have to go to, down to a specific, like this number of units, but you need to narrow it down to a range uh, of where is that physically in the world? What type of property is it? How big is it? After that, then you start subscribing to every single broker in the valley, in the area. You know, whether that's you find them on Google, just a commercial real estate broker, find them on Crexy, find them on LoopNet, and subscribe to everything that they put out. And then the last thing I would say is call them every three weeks. Not every month, every three weeks. Why three weeks? Well, uh, a very smart man that I know named Mike Tarvella did the math. And if you call somebody every three weeks and sit up every month, you're going to go from uh, 12 contacts to I think it was 20 contacts just by calling them that often. And so you're, you're now in that top of mind uh, where other people are going to be once a month. So they're a little bit less mind, in, in top of mind. That's uh, that's very interesting. I never heard that. That's a, I think that's a pretty great tip, right? Especially for those listening right now who are looking to kind of build those relationships and, and you know kind of establish themselves as credible in the space of looking at properties and being able to take them down. So so I you know I totally agree with those things, especially about the coach. I think the coach is probably one of the best things. Like you said, start with that number one, right? Because I think that a lot of guys, people like me, especially, right? I, I went to school for engineering, so coming out of that, I was like, okay, I can pretty much figure anything out, right? And so. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not right. But at the same time, but at the same time, you got to. Re I realized very quickly that just because I can do something doesn't mean I should, right? And so I think that's a lot of one of the things that a lot of people need to recognize is like just because you think you can or you know you can doesn't mean you always should be in that situation doing those those tasks, right? And I think um, having a coach, just like you said, compressing those time frames is gonna is gonna help everybody out quite a bit, right? So I think that's that's huge number one. So let's say somebody's got a coach, they've got their buy criteria down, they've done all these things that Senate's told us about, you know, uh, going with these with these brokers and stuff like that, and they start getting deals coming towards them, right? So next, they got to understand basically how to analyze these deals, right? And so uh, I kind of want to walk through that a little bit. You know, you have a lot of students that you're kind of coaching through this process. What are some of the top tips or some of the main criteria you give to them about analyzing deals and how to go through that process? Well, <clears throat> There's, there's several different layers of deal analysis, and we could do an all-day course on yeah. you know, how to actually analyze a deal and to figure out if it's, if it's really a good deal or not. And it's actually more of an art form than it is a science. But uh, one, of the, one of the first things that you need to do is to figure out what's a good deal in that market. Mm. And... The only way you're going to do that is to analyze several deals and just go out and read several several deals and learn about them. So what I recommend is to go out and get 10 uh, offering memorandums. These are the marketing package that the brokers put together for a deal. And they don't even have to be live deals right now, but within the last, say, six months, maybe, maybe 12 months, that's really stretching it, right? But go get them and read every single page mm. and in, in, in one market. 
And that's really going to help you get a good firm understanding of what uh, is going on in that market. And preferably not all from the same broker, right? A couple of different okay. brokers to get different uh, different perspectives. Sure. You're going to learn. You're going to learn about the market. You're going to learn uh, what things are selling for in that market. What things are renting for in that market. What the expenses are on on average in that market. That's really going to help you get a foundation of knowledge for that property type in that market. Okay. Uh, and and then after that. You really have got to figure out uh, what your, you need to find an analyzer, a tool, what, when, which one that you personally prefer. And there's a lot of them that are out there that are really, really good. There's some free ones out there actually that are pretty decent that, you know, anybody can go and download. Uh, just Google, you know, multifamily analyzer, multifamily Excel sheet. You can find several really good ones. There's some that are paid. My favorite one uh, that is an Excel template uh, that is paid uh, is called Synthesis by Sharpline. Uh, I think the website is the multifamilyanalyzer.com, something like that. I wasn't prepared for that to uh, sure. plug that, but uh, Chris Jackson is the guy who put that together. And it's a phenomenal tool. If you want a free one, uh, Lone Star Capital uh, put together uh, one that's totally free. Uh, you just have to put in your email address to download it. Uh, my friend Rob Beardsley put that together, and it's a, it's a fantastic tool. But then you can also go really advanced if you want and get a corporate tool like Red IQ that's uh, you know thousands of dollars a month to get into. I would say that's definitely not something that a newbie should get into, but yeah, that's a pretty cool tool. Yeah, that that's huge, and I, I can attest to uh, Rob Beardsley uh, his his. Uh his spreadsheet or his uh, analyzer. It's it's very robust and it does a great job, Ryan. Like you said, it's costs nothing but your email address. So I think it's definitely a, a good a good tool to kind of have in your toolbox if you're analyzing deals. So I think I love that that's huge, especially if you're practicing, go out, get 10 OMs, even if they're not live deals, right? And then you've got to practice on this and go through, run through the analyzer you're going to use so you can kind of understand how this works. And then when a deal actually comes across your desk, you won't be kind of fumbling through it, right? You'll have an idea of actually, you know what to do, right? So um, I do have a couple of questions diving into that a little bit. So, you know, as somebody who's going in analyzing these deals, are do you see somebody or you see investors, maybe some of your students, uh, what are some common mistakes for them that you see when they're going through analyzing deals? Maybe some assumptions they're making, maybe some bad assumptions. What does that look like and what are you observing from those students? Well, the probably the two biggest ones that I see are, you know, assuming that the rents are going to keep growing at the rate that they have grown. Mm. You know, you, you really need to understand, and that's where it's with the more of the art form, right? You need to understand that market and what the rents are going to be like next year, two years, five years from now. In the past two to three years, the rents in this country across the board have grown faster than they have ever grown uh, in 10, 15 years. And I do believe, uh, you know, here we are in, you know, mid-summer 2023. I believe that we're pretty much at the peak of that. And now some people, Redfin actually came out with an article recently that said that rents are actually declining in the nation in the short term. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, you know, across the board, but definitely we're not going to see the same kind of rent growth we've seen over the last two or three years. So you have to check that. And then also, what about expense growth? While you're in there, you've got to look at that as well. 
everyone knows what inflation is doing right now. <laughs> so if you're, if you're not accounting for those two things, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. And I think the last one is, uh, that I would really have somebody look for is the taxes. And this is a, this is a great tip, uh, for even for a passive investor, when they're analyzing a deal that an active investor is putting together, always ask the question, how did you come up with your tax calculation? It's a great tip. And as a passive investor, it really doesn't matter what they say. It matters that they have an answer. Yeah. Okay? And, and I guessed is not a good answer. <laughs> they have to have a good answer. And as an active investor, somebody out there that's actually buying, the best thing to do is call the tax assessor and ask questions. Uh, how will the taxes be reassessed on this property? How often will they be reassessed on this property? Will they be re reassessed at sale? Because in some parts of the country, when a property changes hands, you have to report the exact amount. Yep. Other countries or other parts of the country, that's not the case. And then also the next step is to actually find the uh, the millage rate that that's, that that's uh, calculated mm -hmm. at. Yeah. So that's uh, one of the biggest things people do. I, th I think that's that's a huge tip. And I was actually specifically going to ask you about taxes because, you know, that's just, just to your point. I mean, that's one thing that people don't really take into account all the time, right? Like that increase in taxes. And, you know, if you're bringing up this value of the, of the property up, what's going to happen to the taxes, right? And so, you know, in your opinion, I know it's different throughout, you know, all the markets, right? And every, you know, every property is different in how you analyze and underwrite it. What are some some conservative estimates like you've seen in maybe a deal that you've analyzed recently or, or you've seen somebody analyze recently in terms of like rent growth projections? Maybe you can pick a market, expense growth projections, stuff like that. What what kind of uh, penciling are you doing for those in some of what you're seeing today? So my my back the napkin, uh, you know, estimates for expenses and rent are I want to see three maximum four percent in rent growth. And, and I really like the three. And then I want to see the, the expenses right in that same line. I want three to 4% on those expenses, natural expenses. So if the property's under market, the rent is under market for some reason, or they're doing some kind of a big uh, value add renovation or something of that line nature, then I can see that the rents could go up more than that three to 4%. But if they're not doing something like that, then if they're more than that, I'd be a little bit scared. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I uh, And those are huge tips, right? Especially if you're a past investor, you're looking at deals and you're just kind of doing your your due diligence, right? And you're seeing these numbers pop up. It's You got to know what they mean and you got to know why they're there, right? And as a past investor myself, I think when I first got into this, I wasn't quite sure what those numbers should or shouldn't be. But very quickly, I became aware of what they should or shouldn't be, right? I mean, I mean, they make sense, right? And so you need to make sure you're paying attention to that. That's a huge tip, and I really appreciate you going to that level of detail. Listen, we could probably sit here all day, and I could probably ask you questions about deal analysis and finding deals and all that kind of stuff. But before we get out of here, I want to ask you a, a final question. What do you, where do you think the opportunity is in multifamily going forward in the next 6, 12 months, something like that? I know we're in kind of, like you said, some people think we're in, you know, kind of dangerous times here. So other people are blowing and going, like nothing's changed. Uh, where do you think the opportunity is in multifamily? Well, I think that because interest rates are actually significantly higher than they've been in several years, then that means that we're going to be able to find really, really good deals. Mm. And, and let me explain what I mean by that. If, if a deal works, 
at in pencils at seven percent, then it'll work at four, five, or six. Right. And and my crystal ball tells me, and I know this is I made this up, and you know my guess is as good as yours. But my opinion is that when the election time comes around next year, we're going to have some rate decrease. Mm. So I'm trying to buy every good deal I can find at today's rates. And then my goal is to uh, refinance it or sell it when the rates come back down. And But here's the thing. You got to listen to what I said and you got to hear that key phrase. Every good deal that works. Right. Because I could be completely wrong and the rates could be uh, stay this way forever. Right. So I'm a big fan of long-term fixed rate debt. You're not going to see me talking to any bridge lenders or anything like that right now uh, because that's just too too unpredictable. Right. Absolutely. And I love the fact that you brought up it matters if the deal pencils today. Right. And, you know, I think that's that's the biggest part. Right. If you can find a good deal now and it works in today's market, you should absolutely do that deal. Right. Because, you know, you can lock it in whenever. And then if something goes down, then you can refinance and you're in a great position. Like we were talking a little bit before the show about, you know, home runs and stuff like that. So I think that's a that's a huge tip, man. And I actually love that that mindset and that viewpoint there. But, uh, man, again, I feel like we could go on and on. This has been a great conversation, Senate. Before we get out of here, though, let the listeners know how they can find out more about you and your business and anything else you have going on. Yeah, the best way to find me is on my website, senateeskridge.com. All the links to all my social medias are on there. You can schedule a schedule an appointment, you can join my private investor group. And I also have a passive or an investor 101 course that's great for passive investors and active investors. So uh senateeskridge.com is my website. Awesome. We're gonna make sure to put that in the show notes. Show notes. Senate man, this has been an absolute great conversation really appreciate you taking the time to say good today thanks for having me it's a good conversation hey real quick before we get out of here do me a huge favor and leave a rating and review for the podcast we're always looking to bring you guys the best insights and strategies for building our real estate portfolios and your ratings and reviews really help with getting top guest speakers that are the best in the real estate investing business i promise this will only take you a few seconds and i really appreciate it thanks for being awesome guys cheers